Love is an attitude we're commanded to have which directs our actions toward people. This message is the ninth in the series, Runway. The message is entitled, Live in Love, Part 1. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to the ongoing series of messages we're involved in entitled Runway, and we're going to wrap up this series next weekend. We're talking about living in the love of God, living in the love of God. I started this series by asking you a question several weeks ago, and the question was, what do you want your life to be like five years from now, one year from now, 10 years from now? What do you want your life to be like? If you could use words to describe the kind of person that you want to be in the future, what words would you choose? And I would submit to you that as we're thinking about improving our life and becoming the person that God wants us to be, there's no better place to begin the process of improvement than in our attitudes. Your attitudes make a big difference in your life. If you improve your attitudes, you improve your life. You take your life to an entirely new level. And God is very interested in our attitudes. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 and 23, the Apostle Paul writes these words to us as Christian believers. He says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, that's who you were before you met Jesus, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew, notice this, your thoughts and your attitudes. God is interested in your thinking and in your attitudes. Now, notice that there is a sequence here. Thinking precedes attitudes. How you think will determine the attitudes of your life. Your thoughts about God, your thoughts about yourself, your thoughts about other people, your thoughts about the world around you, how you think will determine the attitudes that will control the decision-making of your life and the atmosphere of your life. And God says, I want to get into your world, and I want to help you to change the way you think. I want to change the attitudes of your life. Now, to have our attitudes changed, we need a checklist. We need something that will help us to know what the right attitudes are. And the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, gives us a list of eight attitudes that will literally take your life to an entirely new level. They will improve the quality of your life. Listen to these words again, 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, I'm reading from the New International Version. For this very reason, make every effort, that's put your energy into this, to add to your faith, that's the first thing, goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Eight attitudes or eight characteristics that we're called to develop, starting with faith and ending with love, with six sandwiched in between. Notice verse number eight, here's the promise. For if you possess these qualities, what qualities? These eight attitudes that we just read about, these eight characteristics. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, that as you're growing in these eight things, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's flip that around a bit, that if you're developing these qualities in your life in increasing measure, then they will make you effective and they will make you productive. How many of you want to be effective in the way you live your life and productive in the way you live your life? Well, the Bible teaches us that these attitudes will allow us to do this, these characteristics. 
Now, as I said, there's, there are eight of them, again, starting with faith, ending with love, and we're now at the end of this, this ser- series together, end of the eight, the eight here, and we're talking about love. Peter says that we're to add to our mutual affection, love. And the word that he uses here is a very important Greek word. The New Testament was originally written in Aramaic and Greek, and so to understand some of these words or some of these terms, it's important to understand the Greek word behind it. Because in our English word, our English language, we use the word love for all kinds of things, that you're in love with your husband, in love with your wife, you're in love with ice cream, you love this. And so love is used very generically. But in the Bible, we see that the word love has different words behind it, and this word for love is the word agape. It is the God. God kind of love. I want to take you on a quick journey of a variety of passages that point out to you the kind of love that Peter is talking about here and how it's based in God. We're going to do a quick saturation in Scripture. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, whoever does not love, does not agape, does not have the God kind of love, does not know God because God is, what is God? He is love. He is agape. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love, agape, the God kind of love, never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, or agape, and the greatest of these is agape, or love. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love or agape. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus' words, a new command, I give you love, agape one another, as I have agape you, as I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you do what? If you love one another. Matthew 5, 43 through 46. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, agape your enemies, and pray for them who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get are not even the tax collectors doing that? 1 John four eleven. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then finally here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a highlight passage going into chapter 13, the end of chapter 12, into the first part of chapter 13. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, but but my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Are you beginning to see? Those are just nine passages of the importance of the God kind of love. It's not a suggestion. It's not just a good idea. God commands us to love like He loves. Now, what does this God kind of love look like and how does it act? 
I'm going to share with you today, this weekend, and next weekend, four characteristics or four ways to begin to develop the God kind of love in your life. But before I share with you today, I'll share with you two today and two more next weekend. I'm going to use the acrostic L-O-V-E. There'll be principles based upon the L, the O, the V, and the E. But before I get into today's message, I want to just give you a quick caveat. I haven't arrived at this yet. I'm still in the process of learning how to love. How about you? Amen? And we haven't gotten there yet. And so all of us need to step back for a moment and say, there's something here that I need to learn. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor right now and tell them you better listen because there's something you need to learn. Go and tell them you need to listen. There's something you need to learn, okay? We all need to learn more about loving, amen? I need to learn more about this. I haven't, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't conquered this completely in my own life yet, nor have any of us. So let's talk about what we do to become more loving. Let's start with the L, the principle for this. If you're going to love, we have to learn that love lets go. Say it with me, love lets go. The beginning point for love involves removing the barriers or the blocks or things that might restrict us or hinder us from loving because love is a heart issue. You can fake love toward a person for a period of time, but eventually the real you is going to come out if it's not in your heart. And so the God kind of love is in your heart that flows out of your heart to others. But unfortunately, oftentimes there are things in us that block the flow of God, God's love coming through us. If you think about your natural heart, cardiologists will tell you that over a period of time, based upon your diet or your, your heredity, you can begin to deform, form blockages in the arteries connected to your heart. And that will cause problems. Many times, heart attacks, coronary issues, and disease comes along with the blockages in your heart. Your heart is not able to pump as it needs to. In the same way, I want you to think about your spiritual heart and the love that God wants to pump through you to the people around you. And if you don't clear out the arteries of your heart, you'll not be able to express the love that God wants you to express. Let's talk about seven things you've got to let go of if you're going to let God's love flow through you. The first thing that you must let go of is resentment. Resentment is any kind of grudge that you hold on to towards someone else that is based in hurt feelings, a sense of unfairness or injustice that's happened in your life. It's holding on to a debt that you feel somebody owes you because of something they did that hurt you. The idea of resentment is, you hurt me, I'm going to pay you back, you owe me something because of what you did to me. And so re resentment is the retaining or the holding on to anger. And any time that you hold on to anger, that you have a resentment or a sense of a desire to get revenge towards someone else, you've shut down the flow of love in your life. Resentment and love cannot flow out of the same heart. And there's only one, only one remedy for resentment, and that one remedy is forgiveness, is to express forgiveness to the people that have hurt you. Many times people say, well, it's not fair just to forgive people. Well, really forgiving people really is not about them. It's really about you. It's about the fact that you've closed off the flow of love in your life. And the Bible teaches us that the remedy for resentment is to learn to forgive in the same way that God forgives us. Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32, get rid, get it out of your life of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice 
us be kind and compassionate to one another. Notice the next word there, forgiving one another. Notice this, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Let me ask you a question. Have any of you, don't raise your hand on this, but here's the question for you. Have any of you ever hurt God? Of course you have. We all have. We've hurt the heart of God by our own behaviors, by our sinfulness. But we come to God and God forgives us and He gives us second chances and third chances. He washes us and cleanses us and forgives us. And all God asks us to do is to take the same forgiveness that's been given to us and extend it to the people around us to let go of resentment. Romans 12, 17. Do not repay evil for evil, anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hebrews 12, 15. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous, notice that, no poisonous root of bitterness. Notice that bitterness becomes a poison in your system. Make sure, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And then Jesus' words in Mark eleven twenty five: when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, say that phrase with me, anything against anyone anyone. Once again, anything against anyone. That's pretty exhaustive, isn't it? Anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Dear ones, note today that if you're going to love other people, you've got to let go of the resentment in your life. As some of you have been holding on to resentment toward a person, maybe for weeks or months or sometimes years, I've known people that have been bitter and angry toward people for decades, and it's ruining their life. It's ruining the flow of love from them. Let go of your resentment. Learn, as we all need to do, to forgive. Number two, let go of hatred. Hatred is what I would call intensified or hardened resentment. Hatred happens when there is both an inward and an outward hostility that you have toward another person, and hatred literally is a cancer in your spirit and in your soul. And I want you to see how God views hatred. Very powerful words of the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2 and also in chapter 4. Listen to God's perspective of hatred. This is hostility toward, toward someone else. Anyone who claims to be in the light, that is to know God, to be in the light, but hates a brother or sister, where are they? they still, they're still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. That's the third time now that he's used the word darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness, there's the fourth time mentioned in this passage, the darkness has blinded them. Hatred will blind you. Hatred keeps you from seeing what you need to see. And then in chapter 4 of that same book, verse 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. 
The scripture is very clear that if we're going to love, we have to let go of our resentment. We have to let go of our hatred. And then the third thing we must let go of is our cynicism. This is a word that you don't, you don't often associate with love, but I want to draw your attention to it today because cynicism is really mistrusting people. And it usually comes out of hurt, that you've been hurt by a person or disappointed in relationships over a period of time, and so you become cynical about any relationship. I'm just not going to trust anybody because, you know, I trusted in the past and I got hurt. And so because I've been hurt by so many different people, I'm, I'm really cynical. I'm skeptical about any relationship. Nobody is going to get my trust. I'm suspicious of anybody. And why is that so dangerous? It's dangerous because you cannot form relationships without trust. Trust is the very heart of any relationship. And so if you're living with a cynical attitude, you will not be able to extend the trust necessary to build healthy relationships. And even on the cross, when Jesus was dying on the cross for our sins, he guarded his heart, yes, against resentment and unforgiveness, but he also guarded his heart against cynicism. You might recall that one of the seven last sayings of Jesus on the cross, it's recorded in Luke 23, verse 34. He said as he's hung, hanging on the cross, his arms outstretched, nails through his hands and nails through his feet, he proclaims these words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Jesus could have simply said, Father, forgive them, but he didn't stop there. That was resentment. But he said, Father, forgive them, and added this, for they know not what they're doing. That is, I'm not going to let this sully or spoil my attitude toward humanity. I'm not going to allow room for resentment nor cynicism in my life. Can I ask you today, have you, because of some kind of hurt or pain in your past or multiple pains in past relationships, have you stopped trusting have you developed a cynical attitude about relationships and about people? Are you living your whole life in suspicion? Now, by the way, there are certain people that ought not be trusted, but there are some people you can trust that you need to open your life to. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. But cynicism will block the flow of love in your life. Number four, you need to let go of pride and prejudice. These two, by the way, are linked. Prejudice is any time that you prejudge another person or prejudge a group of people based upon your own personal bias, or your own sense of superiority. That's going right to the bottom line. That's what, pro that's what prejudice is. It's always based in pride. It's this preconceived opinion of someone else or some group of people based upon your superior attitude about yourself. And it's extremely important as believers in Jesus Christ that we allow no room for pride and prejudice in our life because it doesn't reflect the nature of our Heavenly Father. The nature of our Heavenly Father is described in Romans chapter 2, verse 11, where the Bible says of God that God does not show, what's the word there? Favoritism, that God has no prejudice in Him. And then we're called by Jesus in Matthew 7, verse 1, with these words, do not judge, and that includes prejudging or prejudice, for you or you too will be judged. Let go. What do we let go of? We let go of our resentment. We let go of hatred. We let go of cynicism. We let go of pride and prejudice. And then we let go of, here's an important one, jealousy. You know, you can't really love when you're jealous. Jealousy will ruin love in your life. And jealousy is this feeling of resentment that we have towards someone because of 
a person's success or the advantages that they, we, we perceive that they have in life. And, and, and jealousy is always based on comparison. You're looking at your life compared to somebody else's life, and their life always looks better than your life. And so there's this thing that happens on the inside of you that says, well, I really deserve that. Why did they get all the breaks? Why do they get all the advantages? And why is their life better than my life? And then it begins to stir up all these feelings inside of us that are very unhealthy and very dangerous. And I would say that we're living in a world today that is very prone to jealousy One of the reasons being is because of a dimension of our world that we're exposed to on a consistent basis now called social media. In social media, we have a way of kind of in privacy going to our computers and taking a look at what we think everybody else's life is like on their Facebook page. Amen. Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. Don't sit there like you're some holy saint. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. And you begin to look at what everybody else is doing, and you ever notice that how everybody else's life seems a whole lot more fun than yours? They're always going on the nice vacations, and they're always eating at the nice restaurants, and they seem to be happy all the time, and man, they just, their, their kids seem to be perfect all the time, and you're looking at your world, and your world doesn't look anything like that. Let me just remind you, their world doesn't either. All those are fake pictures, okay? Okay. <laughs> And what we do is before long, we're looking at their life and comparing our life with somebody else's. And then we we just grow miserable on the inside. It never makes you happy. There's something called Facebook or social media depression. Did you know that? That actually creates depression. In fact, one of the best things you can do is get out of Facebook and get your face in the book. Okay. Amen. Okay. All right. You ready? Okay. Amen. That's a better book to get your face in. Amen. Okay. And to realize, I'm going to get my truth not from that medium. I'm going to get my truth from what God says about me and what God says about my life, okay? But this jealousy, and I will tell you that jealousy kills love. Go back to Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel. Why? Because he was jealous of Abel. God accepted Abel's sacrifice because Abel did it the right way. And Cain was jealous of that. Think about Joseph in the Old Testament. His brothers wanted to kill him, eventually sold him into slavery. Why? Because they were jealous of how much the father loved Joseph and gave him the coat of many colors. And so jealousy will destroy you. Notice Proverbs 14 verse 30. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. If I ask you today, how many of you want cancer? I hope that no one would raise your hand. But jealousy, the Bible says, is like cancer in the bones. Proverbs 27 verse 4, anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, but jealousy is even more dangerous. Why is it even more dangerous? Chapter 3 of James verse 16 says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. When you get jealousy going inside of you, there's all kind of evil that begins to be a part of your thinking and a part of your life. Number six, let go. Let go of shame. You can't love if your life is filled with shame. Shame really is unresolved guilt. It's feelings that, you know what, I've really messed up in my life and I really know me and I know all the things I've done wrong and so I'm conscious of all of my wrong. I'm conscious of all my foolish behavior and so because of that I don't feel worth anything 
And my inner world is caught up with nagging guilt and worthlessness. And that nagging guilt and worthlessness causes me to alienate myself from other people. Because if I don't like me, certainly nobody else will like me. Okay? If I'm not happy with me, then nobody else is going to be happy with me. And so I live in my shame and in my guilt. And I will tell you something about shame and guilt. Shame and guilt will distort your self-image, your self-perception. Okay? It, it just, don't worry about that. They're all right. That's why we have nurseries. They'll be okay, all right? So maybe they didn't like my last point. That's probably what happened. Okay, so. But shame, listen closely, shame in your life will, will eat away at you on the inside. You can't love other people if you don't love you. Are you hearing me? Okay. And I hear people all the time make statements like, you know what, I'm just unlovable, I'm kind of stupid, people don't like me, I'm unattractive, I'm a failure. I've heard people say things like this before, I hate myself. I hate myself. I wish I'd never been born. Dear ones, let me tell you, don't, don't let that kind of thinking happen in your life, okay? Because that's not God's perspective of you. God's perspective of you is you're valuable, that you're loved by Him, that you're precious, that there's something unique about you that only you can bring to the world. And so when you start declaring self-hatred upon yourself, you're actually shutting down the flow of love into your life and the flow of love through your life. And what will happen in, when, when there's self-hatred, self-hatred either turns on itself internally and will cause you to destroy yourself by addictions and all kind of terrible things that you'll bring upon your own life, living in shame about yourself or become aggressive toward other people because you want to reject them before they have an opportunity to reject you. And so this is how people live when they're living in shame. What's the solution? Very clear. Jesus was asked the question one day, what is the most important commandment of all. Mark chapter 12, Jesus answered, the most important is this, listen Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord, so love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And notice this, the second most important commandment is this, read it with me, let's read together, love your neighbor as you love yourself, no other commandment is greater than these. Notice this, love your neighbor as you, what's that say, as you? You can't love other people if you don't love you. Now when the Bible says love yourself, it doesn't mean that you become you know, narcissistic and you fall in love with yourself and you think you're the center of the universe, you wake up every morning and say, I'm awesome, okay. <laughs> no. It's not what it's talking about. It's having a healthy sense of appreciation of who God made you to be. Everybody is valuable, okay. I want you to say with me this morning, I am valuable. Say it together. Come on, say it like you mean it. I am, I'm valuable. I am special. Say it together. I am special, okay. Now you say, why would the pastor have us to say that? Because I promise you there are times in your life where your self-talk is the opposite of that. You're telling you, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're ugly, you always make a mistake. This is the kind of stuff that runs inside your head uh, all the time. And you're telling yourself this kind of stuff and you're wondering why your relationships fail at times. Sometimes the reason your relationships are in problems is because of your attitude toward you, okay? If you don't like you, nobody else is going to like you, okay? Are you with me? Okay. If you're not settled with who you are, then nobody else can be settled with who you are. 1 John 1, 9 tells us how to deal with our failures. If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. That with, yeah, you perhaps have done, all of us have things in our life that you're not 
that you're ashamed of, that you're not proud of, but God is the God that's able to forgive you and give you a fresh start. Amen? So to love, you got to let go. The final thing I'll mention here today is you got to let go of fear. And I'm not going to talk about that one very much, but I'll come back to it in just a moment because I want to highlight it in just a bit because that fear can really, really get in your way. And so we're talking about the attitude of love. To love other people, you have to let go of these seven things. And then the O, you have to open up. Love opens up. So I want you to say with me these two things. Love lets go and love opens up. Say it with me. Love lets go and love opens up. Once you begin to let go of these seven things that I've just described, then you are prepared for this next step of love to begin to open up your life to people around you. What that means is you can become vulnerable and approachable and demonstrate initiative toward other people. Because if you're going to have relationships, you've got to do something. You have to take some initiative. It's impossible to have love in your life without opening yourself up to other people. Amen? Okay? If you live in a cave and isolated and you're like, I don't want any people in my world. I, I, wanna, I want friends, but I don't want to do anything to get them. You're never going to have friends. I have people, oh, I'm pastor. I'm praying for friends. And then they stay home in their little world all the time, okay? Let me tell you something. God wants you to put some feet on your prayers, right? There's some things that you can do. That's why church community is so important. That's why we have things here at our church called life groups or serving groups or classes you can get in so you can get connect in and say, you know, I'm going to get out of my shell. I'm going to open up because you can't have love in your life unless you open up. And to open up, there's some things you got to do. Let me give you three things that will help you to open up. Are you ready for this? First of all, you got to stop making excuses. You got to stop making the excuses. What are the excuses? Well, I want some friends, but I'm shy. I want friends, but I'm an introvert. Join the club, okay? I want friends, but, but they might reject me. I'll come back to that in a moment. I want friends, but, but I'm really, really busy. I want friends, but when I meet people, I don't know what to say. See, we have on and on and on all these excuses that become our little world of protection so we don't reach out because we say, you know what, yeah, I really want some friends in my life. I want to express love, but, but I'm not really comfortable opening up. And so what I would tell you today is you've got to stop making those excuses. If you're going to have some friends in your life, you have to get out of your shell. Amen? That's not easy to do, but we have to do this. And then we trust God's love for us. The biggest hindrance to reaching out is fear. Fear. Let me tell you something about fear. Here's a good way to define it. F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. Okay. Fear is what builds up in your mind that is usually most of the time far bigger than what reality is. And so this fear is what's going to happen to me if I reach out, if I step outside of my shell, I, I might be rejected. And so we have this fear of rejection that causes us to stay in our little world. I want to talk to you today about the fear of rejection. You're like, I want to help you in about three minutes here conquer the fear of rejection. Are you ready for this? This will help you. First of all, realize to conquer the fear of rejection, just go ahead and accept the fact that yes, certain times when you reach out, you are going to be rejected. Not everybody is going to like you. Do you like everybody? No. So why do you think everybody's got to like you? Right? Are you with me here? There's not a single person in here that likes everybody. 
Now, you're supposed to love everybody, but sometimes you can love people from a distance, right? Right? I love you. Right? Right? Are you with me? Okay. But the truth of the matter is, you're going to be rejected. Just go ahead and accept that reality that you're going to be rejected. You've already been rejected. Many times in your life. Have you ever tried to make a friendship that didn't work out? Anybody been rejected before here today? Yeah, you're still living. You didn't die, okay? It's okay. And as truly as you're going to be rejected, you're also going to at times be accepted. Some people, yes, as weird as you are, some people are going to like you, okay? (laughs) The other weird people who are just as weird as you are, they're going to like you, okay? And so some people are going to reject you, and some people are going to accept you. That's just reality. And so you've got to step back and say, wait a minute, time out. This fear of rejection, I'm going to conquer this thing because, yeah, not everybody's going to like me, but some people are going to like me. And so I'm going to step out with security in my relationship with people, not based upon whether they're going to accept me or not, but because God accepts me, okay? This is, this is what frees you, okay? Are you getting it today? When I know that I am secure in the love of God and that at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter whether you like me or not or whether you accept me or not, I'm already accepted by God and so I'm not trying to get my validation from you, okay? I'm trying to find a relationship with you that's mutually beneficial. I can be a blessing to you, and we can be a blessing in friendship to one another. It's a good thing. We all need relationships. But my security is not found in whether you're going to accept me or not. My security is found in the fact that God has already accepted me in Jesus Christ, all right? I'm secure in the love of God. Now, see, that changes everything. That gives you security and strength on the inside. You're not looking for somebody to make you feel good. You know, there are a lot of people that are going through life with this big old bucket. It's like my love bucket. Somebody love me. And they're going to all these places. Fill up my bucket. Fill up my bucket. I need some love. And people are running the other way when they see you coming, okay? Because you're so stinking needy. Okay. Are you hearing me? Okay. You're trying to get people to fill up your bucket that only God can fill up, all right? Because there's not a single person who has enough love that can give you all the love that you need when you have a love deficit in your life. There's only one that has the source of love that is, an, uh, that is a bountiful, plentiful, absolutely complete unfathomable dimension of love that He can pour in your life. And so you want God to fill up your bucket. Don't, don't live your life as a needy person walking around. You know what happens with needy people? Okay, They latch on to people and they suck all the life out of them. Okay? Until they suck the life out of that one and they've, that person's had enough and they've got, they're looking for the next one. Okay? And that's the way they live their life, and they're never, ever satisfied. I'm not trying to make fun of you. We all have needs in life. I'm not in any way, in any way diminishing the reality of need. What I'm telling you is that no human being can meet all your needs, okay? When you get to the place of life, realizing my security is not found 
in my relationships with people. My security is found in my relationship with God. That changes everything, all right? Changes everything. And so you got to stop making excuses. You've got to make sure that you are secure in God's love. First John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? Drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And then you begin to reach out carefully. Let me talk about that one just briefly and we're going to be done. Actually, I really wish that I'd broken that word apart and put carefully. In fact, you want to just put a little line between the care and the fully on your notes. It may help you to understand it a little bit better. By carefully, I don't mean that you're timid timid and intimidated by reaching out. I'm talking about do it with a sense of care for other people. What I mean by that is like, how can I show, how can I bring something to a relationship instead of looking for what I can get out of the relationship, what can I bring to it, okay? How can I show care and concern for another person? And the Bible is very clear that the best relationships we have in life are relationships that are focused not on what we're getting but on what we're giving. Amen? Okay. Do you want your marriage to work better? For your marriage to work better, would it not work better if both husband and wife focused on what they were giving instead of what they were getting? Amen? You want better friendships? Well, wouldn't your friendships work better if both of those friends, both of you and your friend, focused on what you were giving as opposed to what you were getting? And this is the way life works best. Notice what God says in His Word in Proverbs 18, 24. A man that hath friends must show himself, what's the word there? Friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. James 1, 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get Angry. Notice that there's one, there's, there, 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 there's one quick and two slows in this passage. So in every relationship, you need to slow down twice and speed up once, all right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Notice Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out. It's a very important verse. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. So stop making excuses, trust God's love for you, and then reach out carefully, pouring your life into the people around you. What have we learned today? We've learned this. To have life that moves to another level, we need to add to our life love, agape, the God kind of love. How does love flow through us? How do we express love to others? We have to learn to let go of some things, right? that are blocking the flow of love. And then as we're letting go, what do we do next? We open up, let go, open up. Next weekend, I'm going to talk about the V and the E. So you're only halfway toward love right now, okay? So make sure you're back next weekend as we conclude this series together. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had today to study your word. We're grateful for the word of God. Thank you that it speaks to us right where we live. And I pray that you'll... Take this message. I pray that those of us that need to let go of some things that we've talked about today, I pray that today would be that day that we would let go. It might be resentment. It might be hatred. It might be jealousy. It could be shame. Lord, a variety of things that we've talked about. Let us let go of that by the power of your spirit today. 
And then I pray that we would also begin to open up our lives to people around us in a, in a, in a good way, in a healthy way, Lord, that we begin to expand our life in new dimensions. And thank you for the relationships that will form as we are secure in you and reach out of that security to the people around us. Teach us to love, we pray in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.